The best game released in 2022 is also my favorite open world game I have played since Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind, but for one specific reason, it's refreshing. Elden Ring is probably the best designed Soulsborne game I've played. The open world flow, the insanely odd bosses, challenging and engaging, and it feels the most accessible of any of the games with some much needed quality of life features. But it keeps its DNA intact and still is a Soulsborne game throughout. It's a game worthy of your time. So I've already spent an inordinate amount of time playing this game. Like you, we might as well spend a whole bunch of time talking about this one. Welcome to Season 3 of Bits of Time. It is so good to be back on a normal, full-blown release schedule. If you've never been here before, well, welcome. We are two brothers trying to save you time on video games with our own little shtick. One of us usually finishes the game, one of us doesn't, and we talk about why we finished it or why we didn't. Seeing if a game is worth your time. That's what we're doing here. I am not the Elden Ring master. This game definitely beat me to the ground, but I'm one of your hosts, Michael. Man, I, I tell you what, I thought I was going to have to wait the longest time ever to actually speak anything. I'm Larry. That, that was an intro. <laughs> Welcome back. It's so cool to be back. Yeah, oh my gosh, I love it. And thank you so much for all the views and downloads and all that jazz. We're really stoked about it. If you're loving this content, give, leave us a review. But this is our first game for Season 3, and what a banger. Well, and again, the amount of time I put into this game, <laughs> and it requires that of you. Yeah, we're, we're definitely going to talk about that. We got a packed show with you. Kind of the only change for season three, I don't know if we talk about this. We are recording this out of order, so I have no idea. We are changing the format a little bit. Usually it's the quick bits, and then we wrap up. We are going to do an ending question at the very end that's kind of fun and exciting. Larry puts all his creative juices into that, and then... That's how we wrap up the episode, and it's really well. Sometimes, I think we have also done a wrap-up little thing like we've done in past, but whatever, doesn't matter. You'll see that sometimes, sometimes you won't. There you go. Okay, and then while you're just rambling there, I will say this. We're going to do this episode slightly different as well. We do have a younger brother who occasionally gets brought up in this show, and because he loves this game so much, he sent us a whole plethora of questions, and so we're going to kind of format this episode around that to kind of bring him along the ride with us on this one. But... That's how we do things. We just discuss the games back and forth. We talk about it. We ask each other questions. Now let's do it. But before that, Elden Ring was developed by From Software and published by Bandai Namco Entertainment on February 25th, 2022. And I got a little little development. I'm so freaking excited. I can't even talk. Uh, I got a little development note for you that I find actually kind of interesting. Production started in early 2017. That is a long time ago. Oh, there's a lot in the game. And it started right after Dark Souls 3 DLC, and we got Sekiro in between that. And you can see some of the design influences a little bit, maybe. But Miyazaki, the director, writer, director, the big guy, you know him. He said his influences for game design were looking at these four games. Shadow of Colossus, The Elder Scrolls, Witcher 3, and Zelda Breath of the Wild. I mean, if you're going to make an open world game... <laughs> <laughs> it, it kind of feels like you checked most of those boxes. And I actually like that Shadow of Colossus was brought up there because the awe of like seeing some of the monsters in that game are Definitely unlike anything you see in gaming. Yeah, and I feel like all I can see the influences from all these, but they are this game is different for sure. And I'm coming back to your season. No, not season. Our wrap up of the best games of 2022. You've now told me this is your favorite open world game. Since Morrowind. What is the defining moment? What is the gameplay? What makes it different from other open world games? So in my intro, I mentioned this game's refreshing, and it is. But I think the part that's refreshing is the discovery factor in this game. The It feels like on almost a really quick clip, the amount of times you're just stopping, and you're like, what in the world? How big is this game? And the fact that there's not like a quest marker pointing you in directions, you're kind of just organically discovering the world yourself. It felt like there was almost no hand-holding in the game to some frustrating moments at times, but you could stumble across zones in this game. And this is like a lot of the Souls-like games. You just get punished and you're like, oh, okay, nope, can't go there. Gotta come back later. <laughs> but the fact that you're kind of discovering this by just playing and searching 
it was so refreshing to me. I just, I could not believe how big the world was and it just kept getting bigger. And the fact that this game more than any other, and the reason I brought up Morrowind was there's zones in this game you absolutely can entirely miss. And the amount of production and money that went into spots that you as a player might never even see is something that a lot of video game developers just won't do nowadays because they'll consider it a waste of resources. And the fact that's that they're true. just like, yeah, they just did it, like, unbelievable. I think you mentioned in our Games of the Year episode of 2022 also that you mentioned that Breath of the Wild kind of started this, and everybody always gets mad at that. Breath of the Wild, yeah, it did, it did a lot of things that open world games did before. Plenty of things. And everybody's like, there's no innovation. The physics in that game is insane. <laughs> like, that is totally new. But what they did is it lets you take a breath. Like, you're just running through fields, and there might not be much there, but it still feels beautiful. You get those quiet moments of the OST just kind of filtering in. And I think that's very important where, yeah, the I think Breath of the Wild is too big. I think Elden Ring might be too big. I'm not sure. We, we have There's a discussion question about that. Cause, yeah. yeah. I think if you don't have moments like that, though, that have wide open expanses with not much in there, it doesn't feel right. You, you know, actually, hitting you kind of hit something there because I think it's the it feels like a lived-in world because there is empty open space just like in real world, unless you live in a city. And there's that it's, outside the city, there's open spaces. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I always gripe upon when I look at like the Elder Scrolls games, especially the recent ones like Skyrim, for instance, or Witcher 3 is another prime example. Every 30 to 40 seconds, there's something going on in those worlds. And again, for interactivity and stuff, that's good. You know, there's a lot going on, but it kind of gamifies it a little bit where Elden Ring is just like, hey, this is a big world. You're going to run into stuff, but sometimes we'll go two minutes, three minutes, four minutes before you're like, oh, crap, what's that? And so you're almost anticipating, like, what in the world's around this corner. And That's they, a good point. That's a good point. They vary it around a lot in this game. And, yeah, it's just I think the oh, crap moments are so organic in this one. It feels like the game world is existing and you just happen to be plopped into it. Where a lot of game worlds nowadays, it's it feels like it's designed around your character. Like the player agency, which generally is a good thing, I would say. Mm -hmm. But I think we've gotten so much of that that this just felt so fresh. Yeah, what is it about... Because I think of like really well-developed open-world games. Morrowind comes to mind. Witcher 3 does, but Witcher 3 is packed with so much content that I actually... I started ignoring most of that stuff. Where in Elden Ring, I did find myself wanting to explore more just because it had a different feel to it. Same with Breath of the Wild. I will never forget Breath of the Wild when I just looked out in the distance. I was like, I just want to go to that point on the map. <laughs> and I had that same feeling in Elden Ring. I was mm -hmm. like, what is around this corner of this very long beach? You know, can we, oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, by the way, that brings up a really good point too. I think something that needs to be done in games more often is the mystery of the map. Like when you started the game, you had an idea of how big the map was and it kept, there was key moments within the game where you were like, Oh, it expands up that way. You didn't get the whole, like, okay, here's how big the map is. I can't wait to see what's in it. Elden Ring, you don't even know how big the map is. You think you know. And then they keep adding areas. And you're like, oh, crap. Wait, I thought it stopped here. It goes further east. It goes further west. Yeah, like, that is a nice cadence to player getting further, but also realizing, oh, there is so much more. This is exciting. Like, it drives you to want to play more. Or it can maybe stagnate you a little bit. Oh, agreed, 100%. Uh, before we get too far into the discussion, let's just, you know, when I was talking about our brother's questions and stuff, he does ask right away, where does Elden Ring rank for the Souls list for you? Let's. I, that's kind of our history with the Souls games. Might as well bring that yeah. up. Yeah, so I spent 118 hours, 54 minutes, and 34 seconds with this game on the PS5. <laughs> what level did you end up getting to? We'll get there. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's more deep dive. We're going gotcha. overall. Well, I spent 108 hours. Wow, look at me. Just like 10 hour difference, almost 11 hours, I guess, because I'm almost at 119 hours. Would you play this on? Xbox Series S. Okay. So my history with the series, I started all the way back, Demon Souls, and then I have played every one, every iteration except for Sekiro. So I've played Demon Souls 1 through 3. I don't know. So Demon Souls, Dark Souls 1 through 3, Dark Souls Remastered, 
So when you say played, how Bloodborne. many of them did you beat? All of them. All of them? Yeah, okay. Because I know you you were definitely the original like Souls-like guy. I remember that. Uh, I've played a little bit of Demon Souls, a little bit of Dark Souls 1 and 2. 2 is the one that I went a little bit further in, but I had so many things that I didn't like about that one. Mm-hmm. And then Dark Souls 3 was officially the first one I ever beat, and I freaking loved that game. I remember you beat that game before I did. Yeah. And then, I mean, this. so this is my only, this is my second Souls-like game that I've ever beaten. And so... Is it better than Dark Souls 3? I, I enjoyed this one more than Dark Souls 3. It, it, that's not to, that's not a shot at Dark Souls 3. Dark Souls 3 is a phenomenal game. Yeah, that's right. I just, Elden Ring is more my style. And so a lot of people, when I see this discussion, I would say it's between Elden Ring, Bloodborne, and some people that like Demon's Souls. Maybe there's a Dark Souls 3. I don't see that in the conversation. No. Dark yeah. Souls 1, I have a really big soft spot for. I think that's still my favorite. It is clunkier. It's weird. It's different. <sighs> but that could be more nostalgia. I don't know. I, Elden Ring is definitely better designed, which is crazy because they designed such a great open world game where the other games were more, you know, uh, open areas. Yeah. Interconnected. Yeah. It's weird how well they actually expanded upon that like this is their first open world game it's insane it, I it's, it's just like zelda that was their first open world zelda game it's like what the heck i mean you could maybe say wind waker's kind of open world but no nah, nah. <laughs> i the way, this is very petty of me maybe i hate that when you're summoned you're called a furled finger i hate that i wish it was like hollowed <laughs> or something like from the previous games but whatever or Hunters and Bloodborne. I think that's so much... The finger thing is so weird to me. I, I'm this so, game is just so weird. I'm just convinced they are weird to be weird uh, a lot of the times in these games. It's just... It's a style. Okay, and speaking of style, I guess we'll move right into this. Your character itself. What was your class? Weapon? How did you play this game? So, I definitely had two different builds. And one build made me survive all the way to a certain point, And then I just... I felt like changing it up. It was a very bad time for me to change it up, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But I was a battle mage to begin with. I had a big sword, and I would just jump on people and smack them, and then once in a while I would just blast them with magic. Okay. And my rock throw, I used that spell the entire game. In the entire game. I rock freaking, throw? Yeah, the freaking just purple rocks just throwing them at the gravity spell. Oh, my gosh, so good. Okay, so you, you were yeah, you were definitely one of the mage boys. Uh, yeah, in the beginning, there. but I would mainly use my sword, and I would just start, and I just love. I got this armor where it would increase your damage when you jump. So when you do your jump check, so I just run at everybody and jump at them and just smack them and okay. do that R two overhand. Yeah, so I definitely went the route of uh, I was a faith strength build for probably about half the game for me. I absolutely loved it i used lightning spear all the time i found a scythe that uh scaled i think it was a b and eventually i got it up to an a scaling on faith it was really really fun enjoyed it i felt like i was a little i was pretty tanky i had you know my heels did really really well and then i got corrupted (laughs) and i discovered the game that will give me hate i discovered river's blood (laughs) and my life changed and i became the i guess just What's the term? Everyone just hates this style, but the Dex Arcane build, Blood Loss, just became everything for me. <laughs> and my entire play style changed. So I respect myself. And yeah, I became a. I think I had like 60 Arcane, 40 Dex was like my go to, like two break points. Gotcha. A one a one thing. <laughs> yeah, what I love about this game is status effects are a game changer. And I love mm. when games do that where you can kind of implement something and it actually works. And it works on bosses, which is amazing. I did with my battle mage. I did increase my. I didn't increase. I infused my weapon to do frost damage, and I freaking love that. I was about, I would say, a quarter of the way through the game. I found that, and that was, that was my go-to. I just loved it. And then, when I was fighting the fire giant, that mother. Oh god, I hate that guy. You know, can I just? I'll just say it right here because I know that's a question we talk about. Least favorite fight of the entire game. What? Yeah, I hated that fight. <laughs> so, before I fought him. I decided to change into a mage build. I wanted. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go straight mage. That's usually what I do in a lot of the games. Prior, I would usually do a big soul, big sword, and then a mage build. But I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go straight glass can. That is a terrible choice before <laughs> fighting this guy because he is not friendly to mages. So yeah. that fight was not fun. Well, and so it was kind of interesting because for me, I went from having a shield that was constantly blocking and stuff like yeah. that to I went dual wielding. 
Oh. So I had I had the Rivers of Blood, which its weapon art is just it was freaking broken. It felt like at times it was so powerful, especially on the PvP side. But then I also had a I think I had an Uchi Katana, but I switched it to a Blood Uchi Katana, and I got that all the way up to plus twenty five. And between those two weapons themselves, it was incredible. Like how broken blood loss could be at times it felt like if you could do it but you had to be really really good at dodging enemy attacks that's so true there was lots of deaths <laughs> yeah i did not count the deaths in this game because it's basically uncountable and that's okay but i really i would say when i switched over to my mage class one move i didn't use until much later it's the strong meteor one where you just plant your staff down and mm. just keep summoning meteors and i didn't use it for a long time but i was like wait bosses that have really big yeah. Areas like they take up a lot of space. I just pounded them. It was great. And of course, you know, blast them with the Azure's Kamehameha thing. Oh, was I, was just, I was just going to ask if you did that too because I know I saw Absolutely. that was popular. Well, because then I also had, because uh, on PvP, I encountered that from time to time. So again, I, and I also say, so I play this game 100% solo. I know we haven't brought that up. I never summoned people, I only fought PvP. I believe you played. I play this game how nobody <laughs> plays this game. I, I guarantee it. So. Ever since Demon Souls, me and my buddy Ben, we met in uh, uh, bio- biology? No, chemistry. Chemistry 101 or something like that. Became friends and... Would you say you guys had good chemistry? <laughs> we do now, that's for sure. And so he noticed that I had played Demon Souls. And I played... Uh, my experience with that game is the first five hours, I played it and I didn't make any progress. I was like, what is this game? And so we decided, like, you know what? You can summon each other. Let's play it together. We're like, all right, so let's do that. And that's how we have played every single game. So literally I fight every boss twice because he summons me, I summon him, and we just keep repeating. We go through every area together. And that is what I did with Elden Ring. There was maybe one or two times where I did a grinding thing by myself and then did one small little quest line. But otherwise, we ran through this world together the entire time. So I fought every boss twice, and I have ran through every area twice with him. My goodness. that's I wonder if, and we'll get to that, you did bring up about a fatigue factor that you got at one point in this game when it got came to the snow area. Do you think that had anything to do with it? Uh, I mean, it could, just because, you know, you get it, especially if you die on a boss like seven times and he beat it on his file on the first try or vice versa. Uh, like, so it just... Oh, gosh. Yeah, there's some boss in this game. My God. Well, well, I would say yes and no. I feel like I would have felt that fatigue regardless. There's something about the area that you come out of before there that... I don't like the initial snow level. Like, I don't like how it's set up. It's very hard to see. Those enemies are very wild and erratic. And I feel like I just end up taking my my mount and just run past most of it. So it's interesting. So I actually I just want to tackle that a little bit further because I when I saw you had kind of sent me that question and asked me that, is that do you do you think a lot of people experience that there? Because to me, when you're in the capital, right, that it's so dense and there's so much stuff built into it, and then to move from that and have the sequences that you go through, it kind of feels like you're building up towards the end of the game. And then to have the snow area revealed. And again, I would argue this. I absolutely did a sigh. Like, wait, there, like, what? There's, what is it? And it kind of dupes you a little bit, right? Now, there's two different sections to the snow level, too. I thought the bottom section, or the left side or west side of the map, I actually enjoyed that one more. That's where the assassin city is with the invisible assassins that are everywhere. No, no, no. Oh, you didn't like that no, one? No, I like the more open where the dragon is and where... See, that one that, I didn't... That's the one I didn't like. <laughs> stupid commander nail. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we'll probably talk about him. <laughs> that was one of the harder parts <laughs> of the game. But, okay, so I actually, in my head, would have been completely fine almost entirely eliminating the snow section in general. And so when you got to the point where you got up to past the capital, there's the, the Azura place with the tornadoes and all the yeah. dragons, which just freaking beautiful yeah and Amazing. then and then the the area where melania is at if those would have been like the two final sections i think i would have been okay with that interesting because you don't need to go to melania at all no which is also i think really cool yeah and i like probably makes sense because <laughs> yeah <laughs> that boss, <laughs> that boss <laughs> yeah. ridiculous <laughs> uh oh, okay so we just went into it so speaking of that do you have a favorite boss encounter i do 
But and you know, here let's let's expand it three. Like, just give me three. It's it's hard. And uh, then maybe throw in one that you hated. I guess I already said mine. <laughs> so why did you hate the fire giant? The fire giant for me is somebody who was up close, rangy attacking. Right. I felt like he was so large that he clipped a lot when he did his stupid little somersault side oh, roll. Yeah, that thing. And there were times where it didn't matter what you did. When you moved, you just got hit regardless. There was nothing you could do. And what ended up needing to happen is I had to get onto my mount. And I had to run. And as soon as he was getting ready to roll, call my mount and run away and then run back. And it felt so needlessly tiresome. And he hit so hard that... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was just one of those things where I ended up getting sick and tired of fighting him. Now, I won't I won't lie. The size, the sheer size of him is impressive. When you first get in, you're kind of like, holy crap. <laughs> I think visually it's a very cool boss fight. Yes, agreed. Uh, just the fight itself. I, I just felt like they didn't do some of his animations or something right. Because as being an up-close fighter, that was just beyond. It was probably one of the most infuriating boss fights I had in the entire game. Yeah. I think I died like... I don't even know how many times I died. It was a lot. <laughs> yeah, he was my stone wall. Like, I got to him, and I could not proceed. And me and Ben were playing pretty late. And I was just like, right, I'm done. I got to take a break from this. And there's usually one of these in and out. And a Soulsborne game, there's usually a boss like that. I had, I think of all... There is many in this game, though, yes. for me. There are, I think, three specific bosses that I can think of. And we'll get back to the favorite ones here. But that I probably died the most on. And Fire Giant would be number four. But I did have bosses that killed me significantly more than Fire Giant. <laughs> well, that's exciting. I one. have a boss that I know off the top of my head. I died over 30 times. <laughs> 30? Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. I don't know if I got any of that high. Well, actually, between Ben and I, when we, if we do every run, yeah, we probably have gotten there for sure. So my, I'm going to pick four because I can't. Limit myself. Might limit myself to uh, three. Yeah, that's just just too many. Margaret, the very first boss you fight. I thought I've never. I mean, you can consider whatever. You have to die at that one fight, or maybe if you're really good, you beat the little spider stupid thing. Whatever. <laughs> that's not the first boss. The grafted scion, or whatever yeah, it's whatever it's called. It's one I have never in a Souls game had the first boss be one of my favorites, and I think his move set is super cool. The arena you fight in is awesome. I love how he talks to you. Everything about him I enjoyed. He was so frustrating. And he had a like a lot of delayed attacks. Like he would jump up in the air with his little pointy staff thing. And he would just... I, I felt like they switched up the timing on it multiple times. When I Every time I thought I had it countered, <laughs> it wouldn't work. Yeah, I would say he's probably one of the hardest first bosses. Dark Souls 3 had a pretty difficult mm. first boss, if I remember correctly. But man... This motherfucker. <laughs> like, I died so many times, but I loved it. I loved it so much. And I know some people beat it. Oh, it's so easy. I mean, everybody's different. Who cares? I mean, people beat this game with a freaking DDR pad, so whatever. Well, I will just counter it then. I actually enjoyed the Godric fight that you had. So, you know, obviously you get blocked by Margit first. Godric is the final boss in that castle. I thought that fight was beautiful. The landscape, like, the zone that you're in for that battle is something else and it continues the trend of souls games just needing bosses to dismember themselves because they're so pissed <laughs> off <laughs> it's so strange but it, it, it's a very very like cinematic battle i thought it, i thought it was very well done yeah i just he's definitely easier i had some troubles but yeah i i would say i died on margaret more and i just i, I don't know there's something about him getting those lightning and just chucking them oh, oh yeah God. it's so good what's your third since i have four <laughs> I mean, I, I literally—I think I have a list of seven on here. <laughs> so we did not limit ourselves to three. Okay, good enough. Uh, third, you're gonna have to talk a little bit more than me. You can—you can do five, Larry. I'll let you do five. Well, no. Okay, so I think most people will not be a fan of this, but it was one of the most annoying. But I think for me, it was one of the most epic, and that was actually the Melania boss fight. She has people don't like that fight. Because it's BS. <laughs> she has she has a weapon combo that there are times I swear you just can't stop it if you're not dodging correctly. It's like because she just keeps attacking and keeps attacking. And keeps but you attacking. feel so cool if no. you dodge no hit. Oh my gosh. No, but then the thing that's amazing about that fight is it's so incredibly difficult. And then when you fight, I will not, I can't tell you. I literally threw my controller out of happiness and then she has a second form. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. <laughs> and that second form, the little like nine tails, like thing that she does, flower bloom, the flower, is so freaking broken at times. But isn't that is one of the most beautiful oh my animation? Gosh. Like that. Oh, when I saw that, I mean, I died to that <laughs> so many times. I never actually beat her on this file. So sorry, I'm. Not, I didn't really beat the game. No, that's no, not no, true. no, not, not at all. No, there's, there's people out there like, if you use magic, if you summon, you don't beat the game. No, trust me, I heard it all the time. I had people telling me if you use Rivers of Blood, you, you know, you didn't beat the game either. Yeah, wow, something listen, that they offered in the game, and you're yeah. saying, what? I will, I will say this. The one thing I'm proud of is I have a counter to it. Is I actually beat Melania before they slightly nerfed her, but I also her I beat, her. beat her. <laughs> I beat her before they slightly nerfed uh, Rivers of Blood though too. So it's like you know. I had the little bit stronger version, but I also fought the stronger version. So, but no, that fight, I haven't felt the, it, it was just so grand. It was just kind of like, this is a one-on-one. -on -one. I felt, it almost felt like a Dragon Ball Z moment that I was experiencing. I would get in, I'd reload up and I'd fight her and be like, okay, there she is again. And the thing that I really liked that they did with her boss fight was there's a lot of time. She just stays away from you and she just, it, you can almost feel like she's a player kind of waiting for you to do something. Yeah. And it's just, oh my goodness, is her fight so well done. And that feeling of her just hovering in the air, you're like, oh no, no <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> no. But man, finally beating her, that was just, that was such a moment for me. I was like, oh, I set my controller down. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I finally did this. And I'm not one to like dive into the lore of this game and whatever, but my buddy Ben is, and it is cool that, she is the one that fought Radon, like mm -hmm. her armies versus his, and it's kind of got this epic feel to it. Well, and that's she, that's cinematic with her like putting her arm, arm back, back on. It's so well done. What is with them and dismembering stuff? I don't understand <laughs> it. <laughs> Freaking weirdos. Well, yeah, and then like her her blade is actually like part of her arm. It's it's weird. It's oh, so strange. So strange. All right, my number three is Malaketh the Black Blade. Such a cool boss design. I love how he's all hooded in the beginning, mm -hmm. and then he transforms, and then he takes it off. I always love that kind of stuff in games. Yeah, that's like right towards the end, too. Yeah, and I also like that you meet him before. Mm -hmm. He's in that temple. You can give him stuff. He's just this cool guy hunkering down, and then, nope, yep, he's bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that was, uh, that was in an extremely difficult battle as yeah, well. Yeah, he took me quite a while to beat, and I know when you summon people with you, the bosses take less damage, or like they have a bigger health pool. And that's very frustrating sometimes. But I loved his mood move set. I like his animation, his style. Plus, he's just this kind of wolf man, wolf boy. I like him. Okay. Well, again, I'm going to try and focus mine on to my – I'll stick with the top three. And then we'll talk about other bosses as well. So my number two, I think, to me, one of the largest, like, oh, shit moments I've ever had fighting a boss was the Radon fight. Star Scourge Radon. And it's specifically – when he does the freaking meteor thing. That's so cool. The fact that they just take away all sound and it's completely silent after this epic battle. And then all of a sudden you hear this fireball meteor just hurling towards you is just such a cool moment. And that battlefield is just so well done. You can summon like all these little like past fighters for you and stuff like that. And the fact that like just Radon's character himself is like the little horse. <laughs> So weird. Oh, I hate that little horse. <laughs> His design is great, but that little horse just it, it throws me off. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it at all. It's such a it's just such a strange aesthetic. But yeah, that, that fight just felt epic. And I don't even know, do you have to is that a requirement? Uh, I, don't I don't think so either. No, right? not technically. I mean, you have to defeat certain shard bearers, right? Mm -hmm. And I think he's one of them, but I don't think you have to. Yeah. No. That that fight, again, it, specifically for that moment, is just incredible. And then, I mean, just starting off, the fact that you have to dodge so many of those, like, arrows coming at you, and you have to time it so right or you're screwed anyways. Yeah, he does feel like an epic boss battle lead up to mm -hmm. it, just like Melania does. Yep. And my number two is Melania. We talked about it. On to yours. Okay, my number one, I don't know if anyone's going to have this. I just literally, I don't know if I, I'm getting older with a daughter, I get emotional. I actually got teary-eyed during this fight because I thought it was just so freaking beautiful. And it's the Ancestor Spirit. <laughs> that is one of the most, and you know what? I connected. I've brought up this man before. My my boy, uh, Sean Plot, Day 9. He had a- Starcraft. He had a slightly similar experience I saw when I watched his playthrough to this. And so he gets it as well. It is such a beautiful fight 
It's not hard. It's actually quite easy. I didn't even die once. I beat it on the first try, but I didn't want to beat it. I just wanted to... The music, the sound design, the way that the moose like glides through the air and how it when it's Very hitting majestic yeah. oh, it's such a beautiful fight i again that's all i can say about it it's not going to be on anyone's like top 50 bosses probably but i don't know why i just connected with that fight so much and then uh, that the zone that area that you're in is just interesting in and of itself yeah that visually like the green and all that stuff it's pretty nice it's definitely a change of pace from a lot of the other battles for yeah, sure that, that actually might be part of it too like most of the battles are just so dark and like they're grinds and this was just it was beautiful i just loved it <laughs> <laughs> my number one also has a excellent visual style and that is radagon the imagery of him like crucified hanging from the elden ring shards my gosh. Okay, so hold on, though. So the thing that's interesting about this point is when was the last time you played a game where the final boss fight is your favorite fight? Uh, damn, that's a good question. It's been a while. I mean, technically, this isn't the last boss, but Second, it, yeah. it's a duo, so it's there's no save in between. Oh, okay, well, so then before you jump in, can I ask then, are you like me? Radagon was significantly a more impressive and better fight than the yes. Elden Beast. Yeah, I think the Elden Beast is... Got, it's just strange. <laughs> but yep. Radagon is so cool, man. His design, how he's broken apart. You can see, oh. like, the shards in it. And one, it's cool. He's got a mace. That's different. Yes. I like that. And one, the music just, oh, my god. Well, because you get the menu. Yeah, it's so music. good. <laughs> and I just, yeah, the music's well. The design, I love that he's just bashes the ground. This lightning goes everywhere. And he just, oh, dude, he is, that imagery will stay in my mind. And I love that. When you go into that portal, it's different too, right? Mm -hmm. It's this bright light that engulfs you. And the way they have the cinematic where everything is far back, like the camera's way zoomed back. By the way, how cool is it that when they were introducing Elden Ring before it even came out, they were showing little bits and pieces of that clip. And that was from the end of the game. <laughs> like, that's so <laughs> That's cool. true. I never really thought about that, actually. But, but like just in general, I think the only, one of the disappointments I had with the game is... I kind of just wish they would have gone more extreme with that particular fight. I was so feeling it in that moment for that fight. And then the Elden Beast comes and I get it what they were going for. But it was almost like this surreal, more like beautiful moment again, where I was so pumped up from the Radagon fight that when I knew there was a second form coming, I'm like, okay, here we go. And then it turns into that blob. <laughs> Dinosaur. So I was definitely disappointed technically with that phase of the final boss. Yeah, I mean, it's a separate boss, right? But I just, yeah, I, I think Radagon should have been it, but I'm okay with how they did it. It's just different. Not what I would have done, but man, <laughs> Radagon is so freaking cool. So then I kind of brought up my issue with the fire giant and stuff like that, but did you have any bosses in the game that were particularly annoying or frustrating? Absolutely. <laughs> you want, well, Stomping guy. Stomping guy. Godfrey. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. Where, dude. <laughs> So they added jumping to this game, right? And they're like, you know what? <laughs> Let's focus a boss on that. It infuriated me so freaking much. I died on that guy way too much. And then, you know, <laughs> his second form shows up and, he, you know, he's a grappler. The amount of times I would be like, yes, I finally got to the second form. And he'd kill me in one hit. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Did you ever fight? So I can't remember. It's... It's out right out. I can't remember what zone it was, but it's right outside. There was like that black gargoyle statue. Yes. I okay. So remember. that's a boss itself, and that was a very difficult boss. You didn't have to fight. But behind him was that clergyman thing that you could like donate uh, certain things. I can't even remember what it was called that you could donate to. That, oh, yeah, the the Malekith. Oh, okay. So. So this is, the, but the first form is the beast form, and then yeah. it turns into Malekith. Okay. All right. Okay. That's right. You did bring that up. Okay. That. I died so many freaking times on that <laughs> battle. And, and again, I fought them that I fought them back to back between that and then the black gargoyle that was outside. That fight was the one of the only ones in the game that I tried my hardest to cheese. I literally would try and get that gargoyle to like follow me around the back of the building because <laughs> he hit so hard. I, I never fought him. Oh my gosh. But you end up getting his, uh, I think it's his axe. It's like this gargoyle axe. It's crazy powerful. I just wasn't spec'd for it. But that was a really, really difficult fight. And it's a statue. You didn't actually ever even have to fight yeah, it. Yeah, just let him be. 
Well, I'm standing I guard. accidentally hit it once fighting another one of those little miniature jumpy things that are all over that zone. Oh gosh, those little, little yeah. guys. No. By the way, a little secret. If you sneak around that area and like just backstab them and have a, they, they give you a lot of souls. So that's a pretty good little farming method that you can go through. My farming place was the windmill up the hill with all the weird crazy ladies. Okay, can we talk about that boss? That was a fun, weird freak. Oh boss. yeah, the, the uh, stretchy guy. Is it the? It's not the Godskin do it's the, it's God's, the Apostle, right? Yeah, I think. Isn't it the Godskin Apostle? Yeah, the skinnier one, right? Yeah, because yeah, he it's the one that like literally goes into Stretch Armstrong mode yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> the, the the fact that like from all the creepy ladies doing their little dances and stuff like that to then having to fight that at the very top, yeah, that is a very unique part of the game. I I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. And the guy speaking of the Godskin do it, the fat one. Oh my gosh, I died on him so much. Not the goddess can do. I actually handled them pretty well overall. No, it's the solo fight. Yeah. My gosh, that was dude. Very, that was me and Ben were getting very frustrated at that <laughs> dude. The the roly poly Ben and I I keep saying me and Ben. I don't know why. Sorry, whatever. The roly poly, yeah, OP. Like it's just ridiculous. <laughs> and you have to. But the thing that I like about that it it was designed in a way that you were like you could use all the pillars to yep, your to, advantage to, to try and block yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. So that was oh definitely a fight where, but blood loss worked. I had the. Uh, there was like the rot like dragon shout thing that i had that it actually scaled with arcane that was really helpful because if you hit a certain moment and it hit them it would like ping their health down quite a bit and so that became that was one of those fights where i actually stayed away a lot of the time and it ended up helping me out quite it's a bit funny, you and ben uh have similar builds he was a faith and then he went into dragon arcane and mm -hmm. i think he used blood loss for a while too well and again the reason why i wouldn't have probably used arcane if it wasn't for the fact that what arcane helps with is whenever uh well it increases the tick on blood loss but it also whenever blood loss is happening uh there's the there's a like a white helmet that you wear or something like that it's got a face on it whenever blood loss is happening around you it increases your attack and so they all comboed together just so freaking well <laughs> There's probably many bosses that frustrated me. There's a couple areas, too, uh, when you're going through those tombs and the chariot stuff. Oh, my gosh, where they smack into you and you have to, like, run and die. Oh, dude, I freaking hated yeah, those things. I started giving up on doing those. That's actually, to me, those areas are where, and, you know, people can argue that sometimes they're, they design it to be challenging. I think some of the gameplay limitations of how your character moves, those areas are where it really shines a light on that. I did not have fun with any of those. No, I and I wouldn't say another negative with the bosses. They do reuse bosses. Yes, they do. And obviously, it's such a big game, so repetition is whatever. You know, that gets a little samey, and I don't like that. That's a very small negative, but... Okay, well, so since you brought in the zones thing, Kevin did ask us, did you have an oh shit moment in this game? Because he brought up specifically for him when he accidentally stumbled across Kalid early on in the game. Mm, yeah, that's a bad place to be. But I ran Those through giant the, freaking crows. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I that's where I went and got my meteor staff though. That was. Mm -hmm. It took me like 10, 15 hours playing this game. I didn't have any magic staff to use my magic. I was you very was, annoyed. I don't know if you remember it, but so obviously I was ahead of you for like most of the. I mean, the entire game. But there was a moment when you told me you were complaining about being ten hours in and you didn't have a weapon. I stumbled across. I think when you sent that, like a day prior, that's. Uh, staff and I was like oh but I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to ruin it for you but I was like okay if he ever stumbles over there, <laughs> I was like he'll find it but I felt bad because I was like Ugh. I was like I want to tell him not an oh shit moment but like an oh my gosh moment this is beautiful it's when you take that lift down into the lower part that, that's a it's it's so beautiful well, that, it, go, that goes to what I was talking about like you can completely miss that entire zone yeah. imagine just literally designing that entire thing and having people completely miss it it's so beautiful. I love how long that elevator is. It's so ridiculous. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. But it really shows you how far below you are. Well, so speaking of the below part, my oh shit moment, I think for me, is the first time I stumbled across the Lake of Rot. Lake of Rot, Lake of Rot. Literally the giant, like maybe you never even found it. It There is literally a giant zone that is all, it's a rot lake. It's bright pink. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. We have to hop around those platforms. Yeah, oh, and then eventually gosh. you can take the, uh, you can get into a coffin and 
You take the ride down and fight that really freaky freaking like, Oh, the ancestral boss. Yeah, I don't uh, know. What is it? An astral, the something, whatever. Yeah, 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 it's astral something, yeah. Looks like a big centipede with a face and pincers. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, that first time that I stumbled across the lake. And the thing that was really cool about it, the way that I stumbled across it, was the zone that I was working my way through, they were hinting that there was something bright ahead of you. Like, you could see it every once in a while come through the map. And it was kind of like, what What am I getting? What am I heading towards? And, uh and then there's just so many, the way the world is designed itself. So like the Lake of Liernia, right? You, when you're underground, you get to a point where there's literally a giant rock formation and you're like, what in the heck is this? And then if you go on, on top of your map, it's literally the entire like college or castle that's in Lake of Liernia. The university, university place. Yeah. yeah. It, it's crazy. Like that they thought that up. It all makes sense. It fits. Yeah, oh. There's so many good areas in this game. Even if I don't like that beginning snow area and there's some other, the you know, the tombs and whatever aren't my favorites. Sometimes they're cool, but whatever. There's just so many distinct and cool zones in this game. Do, do you have a favorite? I don't think so. Yeah. Off the top of my head. Yeah, I think I, I really like the beginning area and the lake area too. I feel like those just feel interesting and I, different. I, de I definitely like when I, I think... The two moments that I kind of was in awe the most is the first time I discovered Lake of Liernia, like that whole area with like the random balloons, and <laughs> right? And then, but just the, like I even did it in our moments video on uh, on our YouTube where you're looking at, you're like, you see this giant building out in the distance. There's another giant building over there. You're like, what is? How big is this game? The other, like, holy crap moment was when I took one of the portals. And I came across that uh, the giant tornado area. Oh my gosh, it, it's so overwhelming because like <laughs> it, it, I was just like, what on earth is this? And you can't get to it from there. This is just like a here, look at you're gonna go here later probably, <laughs> but you can't get to it right now. I do really like the. Uh, it's near the capital, but where it's like almost like it's you're going into the season of fall, and like you oh, go through yeah, the valley. Yeah. Yep. it's just beautiful stuff, mm -hmm. man. There's that big bell tower walking thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's another moment. Those giant, like, tortoise rock <laughs> things. Whatever they are. Yeah. yeah. So um, good. Well, and then and you can eventually, if you ever break all the crystals off their legs, you get them to fall down, and then you can go inside. Yeah, I never did that. Yeah. No, there, there's there's some collectibles there. And then the the lava area continues. There's actually a very annoying boss on top of the volcano of the lava area. Like, oh, my purple gosh. bison thing oh, or whatever. My. We did, like, no Sword. damage to him. I was like, nope, we're coming back here later. Yeah. It's just, I actually, again, I continue my trend. I'm not just a really big fan of lava areas in games. I thought the actual building itself and some of the storylines within that were really cool. I liked that. But I just, I have a weird, so it, that part of the game, the pacing kind of hurt me a little bit. Because I remember when I got to the capital, I found the lava place. And then I ended up finding the snow place. And it was like two of the three new zones I discovered I was kind of iffy on mm. and so it did hurt a little bit there but yeah capital is great though man the, the I mean that is just that may be one of the best designed locations I've seen in a video game like their world building and design there is just phenomenal so then speaking of design what do what you think about the quest design that the, the story all of that stuff in this game because that's a popular talking point on the internet um uh, so any of the i love souls games i've never really cared too much about that kind of stuff i like the characters themselves but like trying to figure out where are they gonna pop up next at i don't really care for that like there's this guy i wanted to find and i found him and he's like i'm gonna go to this fort and i liberated the fort and i would talk to him i was like i have no idea what to do from here on mm -hmm. and that that obtuseness sometimes gets old but i really like it at the same time I like not knowing what to do, and then you stumble across something. And you're like, ah, the pieces fit together. And then if I got really, really, like I wanted to finish a quest line, I was like, I can just look it up. I don't really care, right? Yeah, and I know they did eventually add supposedly like different uh, NPC icons on yes, the map. Yes, which I think they needed. Yeah, so when I beat the game, they hadn't done that yet. And so I definitely do have some of those frustrations, but I, I will even say I feel like from software is one of the companies that can kind of get away with this where i think just the world building and what you're experiencing is enough for me in the storyline and again i know there's what's his name vati or vati on youtube who just does this unbelievably good job of going into the lore of these games his youtube channel is phenomenal if you ever are interested go for this 
Uh, but I've never needed a ton from the storyline. Like the, it feels like I'm just in a world living it, and not a lot of games could pull that off though. Because I was kind of thinking, if you put like a Witcher three, or even like a, a Hori uh, the Horizon Forbidden West, any of those type of games, and then put their formats into this world, it it would get too cluttered. It wouldn't work for me. But then again, you couldn't do this in their games either. It does take a really coordinated effort from a lot of different design areas to actually make this work. Yeah, the only thing that I feel like feels open world are some of the tombs, right? They mm -hmm. kind of have that rinse and repeat kind of like yeah, I would definitely getting rid of that. your outpost type of thing. But I agree. I, I Is that an excuse to for bad game design? No, because I don't know if it's bad game design I mean, it's I, a I struggle, right? I would say this: if you're someone who is more of a casual player, it is really easy to miss important NPC reactions. Because Souls games always have this thing where, like, you'll talk to an NPC and then they'll stop talking. So then a lot of people will be like, "Oh, okay, there's no menu or anything, like that, so I'll walk away." A lot of prompts are hidden by the fact that you're going to repeatedly keep talking to yep. them, and it's not always easy to really even know that's a thing. And, and so that's you, been around for. Yeah. Years. That yeah. frustrated me with Fancy Star 1. My gosh. <laughs> Talked to this merchant like three times. So the fourth time, he gives me what I need to go. I think that's a great segue into the accessibility of Elden Ring. Mm. And maybe Souls is general, but let's just focus on Elden Ring. Because I did say I believe this is the most accessible game, but it keeps its DNA intact. So the big talking points online are, do we need an easy mode? Should we have all the accessibility options? What are your thoughts? And there's a difference between easy mode and accessibility. Let's talk. We should probably talk about that. But the one, <laughs> I point this out. So there was this video that went around where this guy used a controller that had one button on it, and he beat the game. And he was like, "This is why we need accessibility options because I had to create this controller, you know, because maybe he didn't have as much motor skills or whatever." But I've seen videos of people, you know, uh, blind people that have suffered from blindness have been able to beat it. There are people that, you know, have very lower functioning to beat it. That shows me you don't need an easy mode. You, I hate the term, get good, but it's not about getting good. It's about having patience and learning. And there are some games that I go into it and I don't want to learn the systems. I just want to beat it. And I usually drop off, but these type of games demand your patience and to learn, right? It's like a roguelike where you learn from death and you come back and you try it again. Knowing that you can beat this game on a DDR pad or with a one-button controller shows me you don't need an easy mode. Yeah, it, this is a tricky one because I'm kind of, I honestly understand the arguments from both sides. Like, and that's not me just trying to take the gray answer, but it's legitimately, I think the way that it's implemented is probably the most important. Like if you at the start screen have different difficulty levels, right? Or even here's the setting that the developers want you play the game at. And then here's some options to maybe help you out on top of that. If you feel you need that. It, I'm never one that's like, if someone uses an easy mode and yet they get the same achievements as everyone else, I, I could care less. Like, yeah, right. Th the point is for me, I want to be able to enjoy the game that I want, but I also want that for everybody else. I want them to be able to enjoy the game. So the idea that if you happen to be blind or you're deaf and there's certain things you can't quite experience and we have the ability to still provide that to you, 100% want that to be able to happen. I want everyone to play these games. And I feel like games are getting more accessible and devs are learning that. You see that with Last of Us Part Two. You've seen it with Elden Ring itself. They have accessibility options. Mm. It's getting better. Agreed. I would say this, though. We also have to look at this from the developer standpoint. I feel like that doesn't get talked about enough. If a developer wants to make a game and they don't want to build it with difficulty modes and they design it in a way that here's the experience that they want to share and that's it, Something's to be said, like, I want developers to be able to do what they want to do. I don't want to force them to be like, hey, listen, this game's going to be too hard for a lot of your audience. You need to make an easy mode and just make it to make it. If you get creative with it and come up with ways to make it work, I'm a fan of that. Just adding it to add it, I don't know if I necessarily think needs to happen. I struggle with this so much because I look at Celeste, which is a super hard game. I died over 500 times in that game. <laughs> I did, But there is... 
options where you can just have it kind of almost play for yourself. And so you can just do story mode, stuff like that. I, I think that's great. I think if you implement something like that into the Soulsborne, I think it takes away somewhat of what it is. And that difficulty is such a cornerstone to what this game is. If you strip that away, I don't know if you would have those moments. I don't know, but here's the thing. If that would allow more people to play, I'm okay with that. I just don't know who am I to say <laughs> for the guy that makes this game, he wants to make it the way he does. Who am I to say that? No. I mean, yeah. I just look at any other game. Like, <sighs> There's not a lot of examples where I can think of it. It's like if you wanted to play a strategy RPG, but it just beats the game for you. Like, well, okay. Is that okay? Well, prime example. Uh, one of my favorite games I've ever played, Nier Automata. It has the ability to auto-counter and auto, uh, I think it's parry or dodge. You can turn these settings on if you want. And I could see for people, because that's a story-based game, I could see if you just wanted to experience the story and the combat was getting frustrating for you, okay, that's an option. Maybe that's something there. Personally, me, that would literally just like destroy a lot of the fun that I had because learning the gameplay mechanics and how to parry and dodge is part of the fun of that game. But again, that's like a good you point said, though. Who am I to say like if you just want to experience the story and they added it. They didn't like now again, were they forced to add stuff like that? I don't know. Who knows. But yeah, I, I think about uh in season 2 we did Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Mm. I turned off the QTEs right away, right? Yeah. That, I didn't even start with that. And some people would be out there, well then you're not playing the whole game experience. So Am I part of the problem? Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, I think there's a level uh, of judginess that, or like, absolutely. And the problem keeping that happens in this world. And the okay. problem with it is I see it from both sides. If I'm saying I don't want difficulty options in Soulborn's games, they'd be like, well, you are not thinking about the people that can't do it. But I'm looking at the evidence of people I've seen on Twitter. If you can beat this with a freaking DDR pad, Basically, anybody can beat this game. And it that takes, being said, that takes a level of skill. Maybe not everyone can do that. Well, no, no, yeah. But if you can beat it with a one-button controller, too. Yeah. I feel like we want to be... I don't even understand how that works. I have no idea either. I think we're in this age... And this, this is coming back to... In our one-year anniversary episode we that we just released, we talked about how... My lady did not agree with what we talked about at the end of 13 Sentinels A's Rim. She's a woman. We are men. Yeah, maybe there was some lost connection there. But we we were okay with that discussion. If you say something like, I don't want difficulties in Soulborn's game, there's a whole group of people out there be like, well, you are just bigoted or whatever because of this. And it's like, that. why have we gotten to that? And why can't you be like, this game's not for me? And there's nothing wrong with that. If yeah, you want to yeah. play the game so badly... You can put the time in and learn it. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I think I hate being the boring answer, but I kind of honestly just agree with both sides. Yeah. I'm 100% okay with there being easy modes and quality of life features that help people beat games and not have to put as much effort in, especially if it's story based. But then I'm also on the side of, I'm on the side of the developer. Let them make the game that they want to make and don't criticize them for not making the game easier or whatever you are going to complain about. So I'm on both ends, and I hate because that's such a boring answer, but it's true. That's but the way it should work. This comes into game design in my realm a lot because I play a lot of JRPGs, and I see people saying, like, why they keep doing these anime tropes? Why they keep, you know, not having a bunch of diverse different people? I'm like, you're telling another company to do something that reflects you, but you're in a whole different country or across the entire different side of the world. Mm. Who's to say you get to do that? Yeah, yeah. And again, we're, because the borders, you know, internet has basically broken down a lot of the geographical borders around the world. So game development in general and people's ideas of what should and shouldn't be in games or talked about has just blown up all over the place. So this was just going to happen. But yeah, I just, I will always be in favor of developers getting a chance to make the games that they want to make because that is going to end up them being in a healthier situation and we hopefully get more and better games because of that mm -hmm. instead of burning them out saying like hey before you release this game you better make sure this this and this are also implemented i'd always get nervous about them the second time they go to make another game they'd be like okay well let's just not have it be this difficult here because they're going to want this i don't want i would never want that to happen yeah, and I side with the developers most of the time.
Yeah, not always. They make stupid decisions all the time, too. But that's just one dude's opinion. So speaking of just future games with game developer talk there, do you think FromSoft should continue to make open world games? Or do you think they should sporadically kind of dive in and make some just singular games as well? So for me, I want them to make another one in this style, but I don't want them to totally go away from what Dark Souls 3 and Bloodborne was, where we have, I think they could even expand it. I would love for them to do open world segments even crazier, but have them, so do like almost like the portal thing from Demon Souls, where you go to a separate area, but it's giant, and then you go to a totally other different area, and it's giant. Yeah, I think I, that could be cool. Yeah, I, I definitely like that. I think it's just it feels like too. It might I, I don't want to say it would be easier, but it would probably overall be easier to make it that way because when you're making an open world like this, traversal is so important. And thankfully, they figured a lot of that out in this game. I couldn't imagine like if you know, there's a lot of people complaining that they had a fast travel system. Without the fast travel system, I like I probably would have oh, fatigued. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And but one, th- no, I'm, I'm taking it back actually. Because my reason for that was you could do crazy diverse locations from one zone to the next. But I mean, this game does that regardless. Mm-hmm. And the transitions are kind of cool Th- to that's see. That's the key point, right? They figured the transitions out pretty well. There's a couple of hard one, like hard just, I think it's Kalid. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden, like that's a very quick transition between the two. But a lot of the tra- uh, transitions between the story sense, it kind of makes sense. Oh, 100%. All, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> After, by the way, like transforming the entire a large section of the forest section after beating Radon, I thought it was really cool. Too. Yeah. Uh, okay. So before we kind of, because I feel like, I mean, we've hit on so much of this game. Kevin brought up an interesting point, and I have an opinion on this, and I'm curious on your thoughts. The DLC. So as of recording this, we have now, they've announced that they are working on DLC. We all knew they were. We still don't know the release date. My hunch is sometime early 2024, but maybe the end of 2023. So my question for you is this. What do you want to see from the DLC? I think I just want a new area and new bosses. It's really simple. And I think I want it to be different. The one image they show is like this grass field. And I think I was like, that looks cool. Like a almost like a wheat field. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's Shadow of the Erd Tree. So what happens when it's over? I don't know. It kind of, it's it's hard to tell because based on the it looks like it could either be there's a lot of people are saying that they think it might be in a dream or it could even be before because if you look at or it's after I, who knows it could be all over the place I said everything right there <laughs> but, I mean they do they experiment a lot with definitely looks different yeah and they experimented a lot with dreams and mm-hmm. painting worlds and other games so that yeah that'd be cool so I will say this much I actually don't know if I want a DLC it's really weird. When oh. I think I've played enough of the game that I was kind of like, I got so much out of it. The idea of jumping back into like another 30, 40, 50 hours of playing Elden Ring, I don't know if I need it. And I that's not a shot at the game. The game, I think it's sitting at like a 94, 95 Metacritic. Des- deservedly so. I think the game's phenomenal. Uh, you know, that's a good question because I think of Soulsborne's DLC in general. I don't usually play them. You know, which is really weird too, because right, a lot of people say a lot of their toughest battles and best content is in the DLC. Yeah, because Bloodborne had that hunt, the Hunters one, I mm-hmm. think, and then either two or three had the Ring City. I think that was two, and I started playing that, and that was cool, and I just lost motivation because I, one, I used to platinum these games, and I'm I'm just done with that. I mean, maybe I'll platinum Elden Ring. I don't know, but yeah, I'm. Yeah, I usually don't play the DLC for these yeah. style of games. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I've kind of have come to realize I did the same thing with Dark Souls 3. I get, compl- I just dive into these games, which is why I really need to, I want to play Bloodborne because I know it'll probably happen to me with that one too. I think so, yeah. But I just have gotten to the point where once I get so invested in it and I beat it, it's so satisfying. I kind of just, I'm done. I don't need the DLC. And I'm, that's not saying I, I'm glad they're making DLC. So many people are going to freaking love it. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to play it. I think I'm my Elden Ring experience, 108 hours, is amazing. I don't know if I'm going to be playing anymore, you which know, is an I, interesting talking I, point. I, I could be in that same boat, but I'm sure Ben is going to be like, let's go. <laughs> exactly. So let's move on to the quick bits, and then we'll get to the wrap-up question. 
I was level 155 when I beat this game. Oh, and I was a level 167. <laughs> Which is really interesting because you doubled up on a lot of it. So it shows I probably did a lot of... I, I wonder... Can we... Real quick, how many achievements or trophies did you get? I completed 62% of the trophies. I completed 70%. So not much so difference not much, there. Yeah, yeah not, there not a big difference. 34 total. My highest stats, we've talked about my build, uh, was intelligence at 93. My mind was at 50, then bigger at 41 for the the last build. I don't remember my stats for the other one. I know my strength was over 50 before. Yeah, yeah so I was definitely, and I didn't even write down the specifics. I just know that I capped my arcane at 60 and my dex at 40. So my highest stat was 60. Yours was in the 90s. So <laughs> definitely a difference. And you were yeah. much more extreme on one end. Yes, definitely. I got the frenzied ending, and I'm so mad about it because I just did this door thing, and you cannot undo it. Yeah, okay, same thing happened to me. I, I didn't even realize that that was going to, like, lock me into uh, that moment. And you can re- or get rid of it, but w at the point I was at, I couldn't do it any longer, and I was just so mad. Did you experience that? So, like, I got on social media, so many people were, like, tweeting out the pictures of their character sitting on the throne and i didn't get that and i was like no i was like i wanted that i know so same here <laughs> ben got it because he he saw me do he's like well i'm not going in there i was like hey, mother well which is actually kind of cool though like the fact that you guys decided to do that you yeah. both got different endings I of course like yeah I, I had i, I did. don't know how you don't go into the door it's just so tempting like i what know the heck is this it's like take off your clothes get in there i gotta say yes <laughs> and it took me nearly a year to complete i beat this game on February 15th, 2023. Yeah, basically like exactly a month <laughs> from us <laughs> recording. And you've given me a crisis of uh, maybe I won't be playing the DLC because I usually don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Larry, hit me with the last question. Well, I have two and you can answer whichever one you want first. For starters, obviously this is the first open world that FromSoft has done, unless they've done one long time ago that I don't realize. <laughs> so, for starters, is there a specific franchise you would like to see get the Elden Ring treatment? And on top of that then, what character from any franchise out there, specifically probably ones a beloved franchise of yours, do you think could come into the FromSoft world here and literally just destroy everything? Let's talk about the first question first. A 3D Mario game. I am now convinced that I want it. After seeing how this game transitions from area to area, I think a Mushroom Kingdom could be so cool. Do you think that's what they're doing? I, I, I hope it's what they're doing. I hope, I hope. So we talked about this in Bowser's Fury episode. That's a really good episode. Obviously, it's in our top downloaded episodes. You should check it out. Having a bigger sandbox, I think, would be cool. Now, the traversal and how you get from place to place, that's going to be a little bit harder. And that's what we talked I mean, about. Why did I never think about this? The Lakitu clouds. You can just hop on a cloud and just be like, Poof! maybe it like, like does, Goku. Yeah, do you like the Nimbus? <laughs> yeah, heck yeah. There we go. I've solved that. I do want them. I also think the next game will not be the open world one. I think we're going to have one more that's kind of like odyssey more powerful hardware <laughs> <laughs> shut up <laughs> uh, i think it's gonna we're gonna get an odyssey light game and then the next one is going to be the open world one but from the creativity alone just from bowser's fury and how those islands feel very different and distinct i know you talked about how they it felt more like an amusement park and i'm coming along to that idea but that shows me that they could do this okay all right i went one specific route with this at first i couldn't think of a game but i I said, I want an open world horror game with this style, but I then moved and kind of changed a little bit. And I know this is going to seem obscene based on what the games are like. I would love to see an open world Bioshock. Give me hmm. the city above the world and then give me the underwater and let them expand it. Now, don't make it as large as Elden Ring because I need the tight focus of the storyline and the world building to continue. But that's the thing. What can't, now again, can't be Ken Levine, so maybe it has to be his other game. But what they did with Bioshock is the environmental storytelling was, to me, one of, if not the best I've ever seen in a video game, especially in the original Bioshock. To see them further expand upon that and give them the freedom to really, really flesh out that world. Now, I can hear the argument that's going to hurt the storyline, 
But that's why you got to give it the Elden Ring treatment. <laughs> you got to really make sure it works. And I think I've seen open worlds with good story. Horizon Zero Dawn, great example of it. Witcher 3, great example of it. Well, and then by the way, when was the last time I've never seen? Can you imagine an open world where the city is just as well developed in the lands above? And then while you're up there looking at a lake and realizing all the depth and everything that's underneath the city as well. I think that could be pretty That'd cool. Be a very cool aesthetic. I don't know if it would work. I think it would have to be a smaller scale open world, but mm-hmm. man, yeah, that could be really fun. That'd be a lot of fun. I would love that. I think I would absolutely like something like that. My character that would destroy every Elden Ring boss would be Samus. You bring Sam once she's got a gun. So there, <laughs> there's, there's half the battle right there. But she's got the acrobatics. She ha- already has the armor on. And she could just be rolling and jumping, dodging like crazy, <laughs> shooting people with rockets and a beam. Tra- she'd have better traversal, too. <laughs> yeah, right? Like She'd just be double jumping, just spin attacking. Like She would destroy them. It's really funny. She was one of the ones I said. I, I actually provided two answers. My serious answer is Kratos. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. He could <laughs> in, go one-to-one. In the one game to world, one. kind of fits with what they went. It's a similar vibe in a sense. Darker, plotting, and, I mean, yeah, he would just... Seeing him rip apart all these bosses would be very, very entertaining. The non, the more comical one, just because I think it would be hilarious, bring Trevor Phillips into this world from GTA Five. <laughs> he would die. What are you talking about? Oh, he's a oh, man, dude. He is a very resourceful man. You gotta, you gotta. If you ever play that, I know you probably won't, but if you ever play that game, that would just be comedy on like, oh, that would be amazing. I would love to see it. Him complaining in the the one-liners that he would throw at some of these like freaks <laughs> and they'd all be perverted and sexual like, it would be terrible interesting choice that's our choices who would you want to kick all the butts in Elden Ring and what franchise do you want to have open world let us know on Instagram Twitter anywhere you find us maybe you can even comment on a random YouTube video and be like hey I found this I'm, I'm, yeah whatever I see the comments I don't even know what you said right there, but I understood it. (laughs) (laughs) Means we need to stop recording. (laughs) So if you kind of caught on here, we both absolutely love this game. And even for those who have never played a Souls-like game before, Elden Ring is absolutely one you should jump into. It was my personal favorite game that released in 2022. It's definitely possible it might end up being on Mike's 2023 list. We shall see. Both Mike and I give this our seal of approval. It is an absolutely fantastic game. With some minor little quirks that I don't like, but that's okay. And it was absolutely the only choice to start off Season 3 with. Abso-freaking-lutely. Abso-freaking-lutely.